We're in a series right now entitled Wisdom for Today. We need to be wise people. We need to make wise decisions. We need to be able to tell the difference between right and wrong when we are in the gray areas of life. And this is a, not only is it just for your betterment, wisdom for today is spiritual warfare, like more now than ever before. So I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 4. It's going to, I want you to think about the concept of wisdom when I read it. I want you to think about what is true when I read this. Of course, it's all true, but I want you to think about the, I want you to think about, okay, God, direct my heart towards truth this morning. Okay. I need you to be, um, the Bible says don't be a double-minded man, but I want you to be a little double-minded right now in that I, I need you to engage your intellectual mind, but I also want you to engage your spirit person. You need to listen to the word of God in spirit and in truth. Do you see the difference? There's, there's both. There's a logical understanding of the Word of God, of what is true, but there's also something that when the Word of God is read, it should resonate with your spirit. Amen? Amen. It, it, it's a mystery. It doesn't make sense. But when it happens, you know something special is going on. And so when I read the Word of God today, open up your mind and open up your ears and open up your heart, which, which your spirit resides in, and let the Word of God feed your soul. Amen? All right. I read this in the beginning of the series. I'm going to read majority of the chapter today and highlight some other points. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. This is the English Standard Version. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by the craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speak the truth in love. Let me repeat that again. Underline this in your Bibles. Speak the truth, truth in love. We are to grow up into every way, into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint which is equipped when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you may no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their mind. All right, so let me explain what Gentiles Gentiles. We're all a bunch of Gentiles. But, but, but spiritually past tense. So if you want, you can maybe scratch that word Gentile out because, yes, technically you are a Gentile, but you are also a son and a daughter of God. Like you've gone into personal relationship with Jesus. And so in this context, a Gentile, well... Um, that's your neighbor that, that, that you've been trying to bug to come to church for a long time. Uh, the Gentile is the party boy at your school. The Gentile is those that are so consumed with materialism and the, the things of the world and the lust of the flesh. The Gentile is pretty much anybody on TV these days. Actors. Politicians. Now, I mean, of course, there can be actors that are Christians, like Mr. Chris Pratt. He's pretty awesome, eh? Yeah. My point is, is that there is, there is a system. There is this Gentile system. There is this way of the world. And, well, they have a certain mindset. And it's not your mindset. 
Listen. No longer walk as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their mind. So the world that we find ourselves in, they have, a, they have their just futility in their mind. They're not thinking straight or rationally. They are darkened in the understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Now, it kind of says that their minds are darkened because of the ignorance that is in them. Do you know who this applies to? It applies to everyone that is not in a relationship with God. It's just kind of, it sounds really harsh and, 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 and uh, judgy, but it's just saying even the smartest people in the world are ignorant if they're not in a relationship with Jesus. Think about the smartest guy you know or the smartest gal you know. They got two PhDs hanging on their wall. Maybe it's your doctor. Maybe it's uh, your psychologist. Maybe it's, you know, your boss. And, like, you're just, like, blown away by, by the intelligence that they hold. You're in awe to be in their presence. You're intimidated by their language. And yet, if, if they don't have the cross hanging next to their diplomas, they're ignorant. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and even given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to the practice of every kind of impurity. Does that sound familiar? Greed, impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and we're taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Where's truth? In Jesus. Put off your old self, which belongs to your formal manner of life and is corrupt through the deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, What an incredible statement right there. To be renewed in the spirit of your minds. That's like a double whammy right there. Be renewed spiritually. Be renewed in your mind. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Like this is, like you have, I know I bashed like the New Age movement last week. But you have full permission to biblically practice visualization today because it's biblical. You take off your old self. You take off all these dirty rags. You take off your stinking clothes. You just you get rid of it. And then what do you do? You put on the new self. You put on the new jacket, the new clothes. You completely clothe yourself. What does the word say? In what? In righteousness. And it's not yours, it's his. To further push this practice of Christian visualization, Ephesians chapter 6 is absolutely stunning. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, folks. Like, this is warfare. You know, it is this. Take off the ratty t shirt. Take off your flip flops and your lounging shorts. Don't, don't go to church in your pajamas. But you put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Like you cannot stand if you're not armed, if you don't have the right clothes on. But we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, against the rulers, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, we take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the day of evil, having done all to stand firm. 
Stand therefore, having fastened the belt of truth. This is where truth is the theme today. So, the belt of truth. Like, um, like you need a girdle. Like, we're like, we've become um, Christians that are out of shape spiritually. Our guts are hanging out all over the place. And you need to gird yourself up with that belt of truth. You need to be, and when you, when you do, when you build your core, when you strengthen your core with that belt of truth, there is an inner strength that takes place. But it's got to come from deep within inside of you. You've got to get that belt of truth. And you've got to, you got to you know, some of us, it's going to take a long time to get that belt around the guts, right? But you've got to get that belt around the gut and you've got to strengthen your, 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 your core up. So that you can walk in confidence. If you don't have that belt of truth on, if it doesn't fit, you're just not going to be able to walk in the confidence of the Lord. Truth is vital. It's key. And having that breastplate of righteousness, so just put that on. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Um, you need to put your Nikes on. Again, take the, take the Crocs off. I got some nose. I got some. All right, what are those, uh, what are those sandals that soccer players wear? The slides. Take the slides off. And put on some hiking boots. We, we, uh, we said goodbye to one of our saints on Saturday, Tess Batten. Probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her. That grandma wore battle boots. Yeah? All right, and why? Because we need to be able to go out and take this gospel message to all the world. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Bible, which is the Word of God, and praying at all times in the Spirit, in all prayers and supplications, Ephesians 6. Okay, back jumping down into verse 14, or chapter 14, verse 25. Therefore... Having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are all members of one another. So we are being called and commanded and instructed to speak the truth to who? To our neighbors. Like, just not your kids, just not your loved ones, just not your church family. But we have, to be, we have to have the ability and the desire and the skill to speak truth to our neighbors. And we have to do it from a position of, of wisdom. This is wisdom for today. Beginning of Ephesians, when I, when I said you have to speak the truth in what? In what? In love. So when you speak to your neighbor, you have to be centered in a position of love. One of my, my pet peeves in church life is when somebody says, Pastor Josh, I just want to speak the truth in love. That's usually a criticism that they didn't like my message. <laughs> right? Like I said something that offended them. I just want to speak the truth in love. Now, we have to be able to receive feedback. And I do. But when I get speak the truth in love, from somebody that I am not in relationship with? Because people come in and out of the church all the time. They come from other churches. Today I'm reading out of the English Standard Version, which is a pretty solid translation. NIV is pretty solid too, but it's a little weaker, but it's the one that I prefer because it's the one that I grew up with and it's the one that I've memorized Scripture with. But NIV is probably not the strongest translation. ESV is really good. NASB is amazing. Sometimes 
I'll get a little heretical and I'll read out of the passage to paraphrase. Sometimes I'll get a little heretical and I'll read out of the message paraphrase. Uh, one time I did that. I read out a message. And sure enough, that day there was somebody from another church who have never visited. And because I read out of the, the message version, which he considered heretical, he thought that he had the position to correct me on that, to speak the truth in love. It didn't feel very loving because we weren't into relationship. Like, I didn't even know the guy's name, right? Okay, so the point is, when you talk to your neighbor, get to know your neighbor before you present the gospel of truth. Know their life. Know their struggles. Know their heartaches. Know their pains. And then you can speak the truth in love. Because why? Because you love them. Because you've demonstrated that you love them. That's the true meaning of this verse. Is You, you, you can't communicate truth without love. And I don't know. Uh, for those of you that are married... For those of you that have children, how hard is it to love? Does it come easy? No. Love is a choice, not an emotion. It is an investment of time, and it's hard work. Love is hard work. And so, before you begin to speak the truth to the love, to the you know, speak the truth in love to this lost and dark world where they have. All, where their minds are all jacked up, where they're, although they might be the smartest people in the, world, in the room spiritually, they're, they're, they're ignorant, as the Word of God just said. So before you begin to start calling people ignorant in your life, you need to love them and invest in them first. Amen? Amen. All right. That's the meaning and context of the Scripture. Do not be angry, verse 26. Do not be angry. I'm sorry. Be angry. Excuse me. Be angry and do not sin. And do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. All right, that, that's pretty self-explanatory. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but such as the good for building up as is fit on occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed. Amen? That you were sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's a special thing. And so let's not grieve that relationship. And I'll show you what that looks like in a second. So do not grieve the Holy Spirit in whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness. We have any bitter critters in the house today? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Look, um, we want to be when we when we want to have a wise mind. We want to be able to make wise decisions. Like I said last week, the key and the in the the power behind it is you need to be in step with the Holy Spirit. You need to be walking in the Spirit. And, and that, is, that is truth. And in order for us to have a healthy walk in the Spirit, it is crucial, it is vital that we do not grieve the Spirit. Like I, need to have, I need to have the Holy Spirit walking with me every day, every hour. If I don't have the Holy Spirit walking beside me, I'm just going on a walk by myself, and I'm going to end up in places I don't belong. 
But when I am walking with the Spirit, in the Spirit, well, then the decisions that I make, they're wise decisions. Why? Do you, do you know what, um, do you know what uh, the Greek word for wisdom is? You know what it, what it comes off to? Sophia. And Sophia is Greek for wisdom. And Sophia and wisdom are a description of the Holy Spirit. Some theologians, I don't have time to get into it, but it's a fascinating idea. I can't quite defend it yet. It's more of a teaching thing. But some theologians will equate wisdom with the Holy Spirit. Like wisdom and all right, hang on to your hats here. This is where I'll probably get in trouble, and somebody's gonna, some you know, online person is gonna speak the truth in love. Um, in the Old Testament, wisdom, the wisdom that led Moses out into the wilderness, the the wisdom that called upon Abraham to go on his journey and to establish the people of God. That Sophia, that wisdom, God's wisdom. God's Spirit, the Spirit of God, that that member of the Trinity is a she. Old Testament becomes a he. I don't know how that all works. But you need to go into this this relationship with wisdom. And she will call out to you, as Proverbs says. She stands in the streets calling out to all those that will listen to this. Follow me. Go on the path with me. Wisdom is a romance with the Holy Spirit. You guys okay? All right. John 16.3 says, When the Spirit of truth comes on you, all right, when the spirit of truth, when wisdom comes on you, he will guide you into all truth. Right? So, I mean, you might think you might know what's true and what to do, but the spirit will guide you into what is true. For he will not, for he will not speak of his own authority, but what he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So, when the Spirit of Truth, that's a capital S, so we're talking about the Holy Spirit of Truth, comes, He will guide you in all truth, and He, and he will not speak on His own authority, but on the authority of God the Father. Right? So they're in this perfect relationship. And so, God the Father has got the plan for your life all planned out. Like, He's, he's got a great plan He's got a plan A, and he's got another plan A, and he's got another plan A. So no matter how many plan A's you mess up, he's got another plan A for you. (laughs) But we have to be connected to that spirit of truth. This is fascinating. I don't know if you caught it. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. Do you know what is to come in your future? Do you know what God has planned for you? Do you have a prophetic word declared and spoken over your life? Look, just walk in the Spirit. Like, I know you want it now, but maybe you can't handle it now. I know you want to know the future now. And some of you are tempted to grab that that magic eight ball and to shake it up. What's What's the future having hold for me? And you're like, oh. It's more Murphy Law stuff. But God's got good plans for you, and he wants you to know what they are. But in order for you to know what they are, you have to continue in this walk and walk in the Spirit. These are, to say the least, these are confusing times, yeah? You... um, you might not know what lies in your, ahead in your future. God knows. You might not know 
who to vote for these days. I think probably most of us know who to vote for. But you might not know who to vote for. You might not know what career to take. You might not know, is this of God? Is this not of God? Is this right or is this wrong? Confusion, and I will be the first to admit, this is a confusing world. And as somebody that strives to walk in the Spirit and as somebody that has called himself a Christian majority of his life, there has been moments in this current season where I have been confused. Like, God, what is right and what is wrong here? Like, like Jesus, just come down now, please, and tell me. Because I don't know. I just don't know what's going on. Now, that, that mindset of confusion that I have dealt with, that you are dealing with, that is what we read earlier in, in Ephesians 4. That is the principalities of this air. There is a confusion that the enemy of God pipes into the airways and he broadcasts it on the FM and AM channels. For those, that's called a radio, for those of you that don't know. A radio. And there's a, like, like, like I said last time, I have an agenda. I want to uh, invite people to heaven and take people out of hell. Like, that's my agenda. So just so you know, that's what my agenda is. I want the kingdom of God to manifest itself on the planet, heaven on earth. Like this is, this is my agenda. I want to see people get saved. I want to see people get healed. And that is a, that is a desire of the Lord. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they desire that. They hunger and they thirst for that. They have a strategy. Do you know that God has a strategy for saving his children? And then the Holy Spirit is all on board. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's a great idea. I'll die for that. I'll give my life for that. They have a strategy. It's a good one. It's going to redeem the world. But you want to know who else has a strategy? The devil. The devil and his little minions. That serpent of old. The one that lies. The father of lies. Who whispers in your ears in the, in the middle of the night. Who tells you things that, that confuse you. And things that make you wonder if God is real. The things that... That, that bring division into the ones that you love and the ones that you do fellowship with. Like that guy, he's got a strategy. And like God is at work. He's on the move. He's working all the angles, but the, so is the devil. Now, I'm going to reveal to you what his current strategy is. And then you're going to get it. It's going to make sense because we're all living in it. His current strategy is, and it's coming to the tail end of it, by the way, because I think he's got a new one coming up pretty soon. And it's all wrapped up into the end times and, and the final moment and the Antichrist and all that kind of stuff. So I believe that we're getting to the tail end of his strategy, and then he will release his final strategy, which will basically be all-out war. Like, it will be blatant. It will be upfront. Like, you will be able to know the difference between good and evil. Like, we kind of saw glimpses of that at the Grammys, Right? Like, that was pretty blatant. Like, the devil worship stuff, like, that was pretty blatant. Like, it, and it wasn't, and everybody saw it. Everybody was like, wait a minute, this, they're not just being cheeky. They're just, this isn't for shock value. No, they're just, they're just actually worshiping the devil here. All right, you guys okay? All right. So, his strategy that's winding down that we have been living in for a very long time is called postmodernism. And in short, the postmodern strategy from the devil, the philosophy of, of postmodernism is something like this, is that truth is relative, right? And you've heard this. 
I mean, I know that postmodernism sounds like a weird, fancy, academic word, but it's basically this, because you've all, you've all had conversations with people that, that have been affected by the, the, this tainted airwaves. Postmodernism says this, is that all truth is relative. So my truth is my truth, and your truth is your truth. And we as individuals decide what is true and what is not true. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah, it's totally wrong. <laughs> so it'll be abundantly clear. Yeah. That's the strategy of the devil to say, no, it's okay, to, it's okay for you to believe this, and it's okay for this person to believe that. It is okay. You can, you can have a diverse beliefs. It's completely okay. Yesterday, the men's group, did it? We went to a men's conference and it went from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. and it was very encouraging. And their keynote speaker uh, was Kyle Mann, who was the editor in chief of the Babylon Bee. And Babylon Bee is a uh, Christian satire site, and it started in I, what uh, 2017, I think. Do you remember George? Do you remember what he said? It's, it's a fair, it, they had, they've only been around for like six or seven years. I don't know, something like that. But it, they have taken off. They have millions of views. Uh, they've had Elon Musk on their podcast. They, it's a satire site, so they do like Christian jokes. They make fun of other Christians in a, in a good way. They just like, you know, they'll highlight some of the silly things that we do that we think are important. And so they, that's how it all started. It, it, Kyle Mann yesterday said, like, we didn't know what was, we didn't know it was going to take off. We were just, like, writing jokes about worship leaders in our basement. And then, then all of a sudden, it just kind of, it just, it grew. And, and the tagline is, um, fake news that you can trust. Right? So that's, that's their tagline. That gives you an understanding of their tagline. Fake news that you can trust. And so they tell all these silly jokes, and they parody things, and and the, what's funny is that people see these Babylon be fake news things, and they think that they're true. Uh, President Trump actually retweeted one of their posts thinking that it was true when it was not true. So, and a lot of people have done that. So it's, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, years ago, they, they've made this funny post about the concept of truth. What is true? And uh, just kind of addressing the issue of postmodernism in our time. Like, what is relative, relevant, what is not? And so here's a little article. I'll read it. Um, and just, like, picture a, a school teacher doing math on the, math on the chalkboard. We used to have chalkboards back, day, back then. <laughs> Muncie, Illinois. In a mathematics lesson delivered to her kindergarten class on Tuesday, local teacher and closed-minded bigot Becky Delator reportedly insisted that 2 plus 2 equals 4. All the time. To the exclusion of all other numbers. No matter how anyone feels about it. Right? Asking her class the question, what does 2 plus 2 equal? The intolerant, zealous, systematically denied the possibility that the answer could be anything but 4. Going so far as to single out the specific integers, 3 and 7 as wrong... When mentioned by the students as possible answers. Is it three? One of the students asked before another yelled out, no, it's seven, right? The narrow-minded teacher shot them both down, dogmatically insisting that the only answer is four, no matter what anyone else thought or how it made the children feel. That's right, class. Two plus two equals four. Delator reportedly repeated numerous times. After horrified students reported the incident to their parents, the school district had no choice but to take action. 
and has suspended the teacher without pay until the incident has been investigated thoroughly. Quote, we are a place that values opinions and feelings and expressions. The superintendent said in a statement on Tuesday, there is no room for intolerance of any kind in our schools. Okay, so this is parody, right? This is, this is satire. It's a, it's a funny joke. Two plus two equals four, yeah? Okay. So they wrote this probably in the early stages of their joke telling. It's funny. All right, you guys ready for this? This is not satire. This is... Uh, from the Washington, let's see, where did I put it? It's not the Washington Post, but something like that. I'll, I'll let you know later. Okay, Sunday. This article came out on Sunday. March 19th, 2023. Math professor claims equation 2 plus 2 equals 4. It reeks of white supremacy and patriarchy. This is real. Like, this is actually a real thing from the academics. A math education professor in New York City claimed that the equation 2 plus 2 equals 4 reeks of white supremacy and patriarchy. Quote, The idea that math or data is culturally neutral or in any way objective is a myth. Like, I'm not making this up. Like, you can't make this up, right? I am ready to move on with what that understanding is. Who's coming with me? It goes on to say that the whole Western systematic idea of mathematics is culturally oppressive because it's a Western construct. That math and science and reasons are constructs that we can question. Yeah. Okay, so that's the idea of postmodernism is that, that what is true can be questioned, like what is fact can be questioned. That we can take we can we can take the construct and say, no, it's it's not, it, it can be. Two plus two can be seven, and that's just my truth. Like, they've literally gone there. One of the most fascinating, and again, this is, this is the, that concept of postmodernism, which is deteriorating all the way because the next phase is uh, that truth is not relative. The next phase is, is that truth does not exist. That's, that's, the, ne- that's the next phase after postmodernism is that truth doesn't exist at all. There is no truth, all right? So this is what the, this is what the principality of the heirs wants us to go into, into relationship with, that there is no such thing as truth, right? Okay, do you know who the first postmodern uh, secular person was? Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate is the first postmodern thinker. John 18, 37. You know the story. Um, Pilate is about to crucify Jesus. And he's, he's been brought, be- Jesus has been brought before Pilate. He is a Roman official. He is not a Jew. He represents, oh man, I'm going to get in trouble for this. He represents the very system that we've inherited. America is built off of Roman law and Roman reason. We're very, very similar to the Roman Empire. The power, the greed, the glory. That's thinking for a minute. And Pontius Pilate is kind of being... You know, he doesn't want to have to deal with this, but the Jews, the religious elite, want him, want Jesus dead. And they, want, they don't want to do it themselves. They want the government to do it. And he doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to do it because he likes Jesus. 
he doesn't want to do it because he just doesn't want to get caught in the drama, right? He's like, this is your problem. You guys deal with it. And they keep pushing and pushing. And so Pilate has to do it. He has to, he has to do it. And he says, so they say, Pilate's talking to Jesus. They say that, that you're a king. Are you a king? And he's like, yeah. I, I, Jesus kind of says, yeah, I am. And he says, but, but my kingdom is not of this place. Amen? Okay. So when we're talking about the two kingdoms going on here, uh, Pilate is this secular kingdom, the first secular kingdom. Again, the, the power and the system that we, st- that we fall under. The system that we respect, honestly. Pilate says, Jesus, are you a king? And Jesus says, it is as you say. He says, but my kingdom is not of this world. Amen? Like, like that is such a profound thought to think about. When you're like, we, like Jesus' kingdom is not, we, we can't grasp it. And we, we want to grasp it as easily as, as the Roman Empire or America. Like, we want it to be that crystal clear, but it's not. It requires wisdom to understand what the kingdom of God really is. You can't get it in a civics class. You have to go into relationship with it. So my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate says to him, so you are a king. Jesus answers, so you say that I am a king. And for it is this purpose that I was born. For this purpose I have come into the world. To what? To what? To bear witness to the truth. Like truth is a big deal for Jesus. Amen? To bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. You see where I'm going with this yet? You see where I'm going to this yet? Everyone who listens to the truth listens to my voice. And then Pilate, the most profound statement ever uttered, statement that we have to ask ourselves. He says, what is truth? That's that postmodern statement. What is truth? You're like, ah, this is all relative. What is truth? Antichrist will say truth does not exist. Yeah? So what is truth? John 8, 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, and you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Yeah. John 1.17, For the law was given through Moses. The law was given through Moses. Grace and what? And truth came through Jesus Christ. John 15, 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, capital S, who proceeds from the Father, will bear witness to me. 1 John 1, 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. In John 1.14. Ready? Are you guys ready for this? Mm-hmm. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and what? Truth. And then finally, John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to them, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. The most true statement that was ever made. So you want to know what's true? Jesus is truth. He is truth. Like we don't need to be confused. We just need to know truth. We need to know Jesus. Being true 
is not easy. I used to, as a boy, I used to do archery. And to hit that target was very hard. Because you had to be true, yeah? Straight and true. You had to hit that mark if you wanted to, you know, well, I also shot some animals too. So, little ones though. Um, (laughs) Just a couple of squirrels. Not a possum. (laughs) Not cats. Just a couple of squirrels. Have you heard the saying, head true north, right? Like it's a, it's a specific line. It's very direct, true north. For those of you that are carpenters, you know that you, you have to have a true line, a true plane. Like there can't be any deviation or variation in truth when you're building a house. If you're off by a fraction, the whole house is out of whack, Right? So being true is hard. It takes discipline. It takes time. It takes dedication. It takes submissiveness to the Lord and to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. We don't like truth because truth is hard. It's super hard. The truth is Jesus. Now, when I used to shoot targets and animals, all right, this is, I shouldn't tell you this. All right, I, I always do that and I have to tell you, right? All right, I shot this animal once. And I hit the target. This is probably when I stopped shooting animals, honestly. So I hit the target. but the shot was not true. I sinned. Not because I was killing a little animal. I sinned because I didn't hit the heart. I felt really bad because I had to like chase this bleeding animal down and finish it off. But I sinned, right? Sin is an offense towards God and Deed and mind, you can sin against the Lord in your actions. You can sin against the Lord with your mind. Jesus makes that apparently clear, which is very frustrating, right? So what's going on in your mind is very important to Jesus. Just because you don't act out murder uh, physically doesn't mean that you've murdered somebody in your mind. And so when we are... When we're, we're all trying, raise your hand if you're trying. Like if you want to grow spiritually. Like you just want to be better. You want to be a better version of yourself and you want to submit to the Lord. You know that, the God, you know that God has good things for you. You know that he's got good plans for you and you want to be on board with that. You want, you want the first plan A, not the second plan A. Amen? Like, you, like I know you. I know that you want to be better. But it is so hard to be good, isn't it? And I think that most of us, like, we're shooting at that target, right? We're just, we're just shooting our arrows and our bullets and our paintballs, and we're hitting that target. But do you know that it's just, like, nearly impossible to hit the bullseye? Like, only I can do that. You guys can't do that. Only I. Only, I am only that good. My point is, is that it's okay to not be true. You're not going to hit the mark all the time. You will sin. All have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Okay. All right. Christian visualization again. All right. Just think about that target. You're shooting at the target because you want to be better. Amen. You want to be true, and you don't want to sin. So you're shooting at that target. Just think about the target in your mind. Hmm? Like, like, quit shooting at people and shoot at the target. Amen? Yeah? Yeah, quit trying to, you know, 
kill somebody and just shoot at the target that Jesus wants you to focus on. Now, here's the thing. You're going to hit along the edges. You might even shoot a couple of shots that are going to go beyond and miss completely. Yeah. Maybe you'll, you'll get inside the blue mark, and maybe you'll get inside that red mark. You're going to feel really good about yourself because you're getting closer and closer and closer to the center. Maybe someday, maybe just someday, you will hit the yellow mark, which is kind of like the center. Like, it feels so good when you get centered up on Jesus. Amen? Like, when it, when it all comes into alignment, when you find that, that the Lord has good plans for you, and like, this is, this is all true. And when you hit, when you hit that mark, when you, when you hit that yellow circle, the small circle, oh, man, it's like, oh, I'm not crazy. God's real. And my friends, it's impossible to hit the bullseye. There is no no perfection that is that good. You can't hit the bullseye. It's impossible. You need to be okay with your limitations. Amen? Like we need to be working towards perfection. Jesus says, I am perfect, so become like me. We need to be more working towards perfection, but you're never going to hit that bullseye, and that's okay. Think about that, the whole target again, all the different concentric circles of that target. And now in your mind's eye, I'm going to tear that target off, and behind that target is this cross. It's the face of Jesus. You don't have to hit the bullseye because Jesus is the bullseye, right? You, you shoot your arrows into him. Our sins have wounded him, but he loves us and he takes it. He takes our sin each and every time, amen? Jesus is truth. He's truth embodied. Word of God says when we worship him, we ought to worship him in spirit and in truth. That's true worship. I know that the gray areas in this life are hard to navigate, and I know that, you know, when we have people in our world, in our society, they're saying two plus two equals seven. Like, like you should be able to speak the truth and say, no, it's, it's four, And you can do that from a point of relationship and a point of love. You can speak that truth in love. You can speak the words of Jesus in love. We don't have to be infants anymore. We don't have to be tossed back and forth by every wave of doctrine or every crazy thought or every crazy philosophy, whether it is modernism, postmodernism, secularism, you know, pick any denomination you want to think of. Like, we don't have to be confused by that if we're in relationship with Jesus, if we see him as truth. So let's just put the enemy of God and his strategy on notice. Like, we know what he's up to. He wants to take truth out of the equation. First off, he says it's relative, and then now we're moving into the, sec- the second phase where he's, just gonna, he's going to attack truth and try and get rid of it altogether. But that's not you. You have truth. So we're putting the enemy of God on notice that we know what's true. And we know that he's the father of lies. Amen? And even in our own Christian walk, you're going to encounter believers that aren't going to believe exactly the way that you do. Like somebody's not hitting that mark. It's either you or it's the other person. Yeah? But as long as you're both shooting at the target and not shooting at each other, then you will not grieve the Holy Spirit. Like you want to continue to walk in the Spirit, amen? And you cannot walk in the Spirit if you're shooting at each other. Shoot at the target. You can agree to disagree on theology and issues and things like that. But continue to shoot at the target and don't shoot at each other. We've got to quit killing each other in the church. We've got demons to kill. Yeah? And quit fighting our brothers and start fighting the enemy. That's where we're at right now. All right. I'll get the band to come on up.
I I'm sorry that I, that I killed little woodland creatures as a young boy. <laughs> Honestly, I am. Like, I know. Like, they were, they were a menace. They really were. And I know it sounds silly, but I remember feeling guilt for that. Yeah? When, that, when I wounded that animal and it ran away bleeding, I just asked myself, what did I do? What kind of a horrible monster am I? I know that's a little trivial thing, but some of us have committed sins that are really hard and are really heavy. And maybe you've asked yourself, why did I do that? What kind of a monster am I? What kind of an immoral person am I? Do you know how to combat that lie? First off, you confess your sin. Make it now. You confess your sin. I, I, I have done some bad things. I've thought some bad thoughts. I've harbored bitterness and anger and rage. I've been divisive. I've been selfish. Like, like you got to confess that stuff. When you confess your sins, like maybe in your mind or like, oh, you're looking in the mirror like, oh man, we need to quit doing that, right? Um, Praise God. If it still rules in your life, then you need to do what the Bible says and confess your sins to one another. Are you able to do that? Or can, you, can you be transparent? Do you have a community that you trust enough that you can confess your sins to one another? You can pray. There's power in prayer. So you 
are free when the spirit of truth comes upon you. So drink this drink of truth and become free. You are confident in who you are and your identity when you drink the drink of truth. It washes away all that confusion about who you are. You know truth, you know Jesus, you will know who you are. And if you are seeking for truth, did you know that that will lead you to Jesus? I always love it when a scientist or a, or a mathematician that's obsessed with truth, they, they, they take it to its logical end and they end up saved. Isn't that awesome? That it says that Jesus is true. This is a true drink. It's right. It's for you. It washes away your insecurities and your failures and your guilt. Receive the drink the forgiveness of your sins. to shine upon you in your life to 